Weed, ganja, dope, grass, Mary Jane, cannabis, marijuana, whatever we want to call it these days, we know someone who's using it to treat a medical condition, or at the very least, just to relax. We're here to walk you through cannabis, from joints to terpenes, and what it's like to treat our medical conditions with this beautiful natural plant. This is Cannabis and Comrades, and I'm your host each week, Todd Larkin, and with me as always, my good friend, the Colossus of Cannabis, Mr. Drake Haggard. So this week's episode, we have a guest that I'm, I'm more than excited to talk with. Uh, I think I could could visit with him honestly for several hours. Um, I look forward to uh, when when COVID is over, maybe we can sit down and have a good conversation. <laughs> have a real conversation. Uh, uh, but first off, uh, he's a veteran, uh, so that's also uh, obviously a winner in our book. He served his country for 27 years and as an army officer. Uh, traveled the globe, working closely with foreign governments not just on the military side, but bringing cannabis ideas and education along with policy to the United States. Uh, he currently operates Harvest 360, which works in research uh, um, and also provide cannabis consultation services. Uh, vets helping vets, man. I, I love that kind of thing. Uh, he created the Athena Protocol, which is uh, he's briefed to elected officials and military leaders. The Athena Protocol is a program that's uh, using non-psychoactive cannabinoids like CBD to treat traumatic brain injuries, uh, even chronic traumatic uh, encephalopathy uh, or CTE. Our guest is working tirelessly to make sure this program is looked at and researched and advanced uh, for this potential life-saving program. Um, and most importantly, he's a father of two boys and been married for 25 years. Ladies and gentlemen, another one of my uh, cannabis heroes and true leaders of the future of cannabis, Mr. Todd Scatini. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it, Todd. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. Yes, sir, brother. Like I said, uh, you know, first off, as a patient, it's uh, it, thank you for everything you're doing, especially being a veteran. Um, and I respect the hell out of out of you. So, so thanks for the time, brother. Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And, and I love speaking with veterans. I love enabling veterans in this industry. And, you know, quite frankly, I love watching uh, veterans provide leadership into this new and evolving space. There's just so much room for growth, and, and uh, there's so much opportunity here. And, and I think it, it goes across a, a lot of different levels. So I'm excited to chat about it today. Heck, yeah. Um, well, I, I really want to kind of get into the Athena Protocol in a little bit, but... First off, uh, explain to us what you're you're doing with Harvest 360. Sure. Well, uh, maybe first, why don't I why don't I back up just a little bit, and I will give you a little bit of my military background. Okay. Yes, um, sir. Just to just to share with you, because it's kind of unique, I suppose. I mean, first, I, I was an enlisted guy. First, I, I entered the army in in 1990, and I was a 19 year old kid. Um, went to basic training at Fort Leonard Wood um, to become a linguist. And um, uh, I went to the Defense Language Institute in California to learn Czech and Slovak. Uh, then, uh, 
by some stroke of luck, I was accepted to go to the West Point Preparatory School wow. in Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. And, and then I somehow made it through and, and got into West Point and graduated and uh, learned a couple more languages on the way. Um, I served as an armor officer and a cavalry, a cavalry officer as well um, and, and had an incredible time leading just incredible soldiers. Um, about after I, I did a troop command um, as a captain, I was transitioned over to be a foreign area officer because I had this language skill and uh, was able to serve after that as a, as a strategic advisor to ambassadors, uh, general officers, provide insight into international military staffs and things like that in six different countries in Europe. Um, and, and it was actually from one of those where I was, um, I was selected to come out to Afghanistan, <laughs> selected, I was voluntold Afghanistan, <laughs> I got orders, and, uh, but I was asked to come work on a staff for a guy named General John Allen, who was a four-star Marine. He was, uh, you know, the commander at the time of the International Security Assistance Forces, and mm. so I got to be on a very special staff with yeah. him, and uh, in, in telling him about, uh, uh, you know, helping him basically work with the coalition and providing and advising him. Uh, during that time, we were also asked to kind of come up with a way to create an industry for the Afghans. And what we came up with, or what I came up with, was this idea to, to bring back hemp and to, to cultivate industrial hemp there um, with you know, 25,000 different uses and 8,000 years of human history uh, behind this plant. Uh, I thought this was a good opportunity. Not to mention, you know, most industrialized nations around the world, uh, except for us at that time, were growing hemp. Thankfully, we've gotten past that uh, that obstacle. But uh, my 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 idea wasn't really accepted or, or taken too seriously. Um, but I was just really struck by the opportunity there. I saw very quickly that there were military applications to cannabis and hemp, um, both on the materiel side. Um, with the ability to have, you know, food, fuel, fiber, building material, all kinds of things out of the hemp plant itself, right? A, just an industrial side. Uh, and then on the medicinal side, I thought there were, you know, serious chances to, to have real medical advances. And, and, and I began to pursue this and research this and study this entire history of, of cannabis. Um, and what I recognized very quickly was that we were observing a paradigm shift in, in history, right? Because we, the United States, really made cannabis illegal on a global level. And for 87 years, we had been unable to really research the plant in, in any meaningful way. And, um, you know, by doing that, we, we had a lot of negative consequences. So the re-legalization of the plant Right, since it's only been illegal since 1937, um, this is really the re-legalization of this plant. It, it, it gives us the opportunity to have some serious impact on, on numerous levels. You know, uh, really, like there, there's a social justice aspect to this, where you know so many Americans now have a criminal record because they were thrown in a cage because of a plant that never killed anyone. Oh yeah, and. I think that's a shame, you know, in the land of the free and the home of the brave, that we have 25% of the world's prisoners, and, and much of that is due to uh, 
cannabis prohibition and the drug war in general, which has simply failed. Um, you know, there's an economic impact to this, right? When all the profits previously from cannabis sales, which was annually in the multi-billions, um, previously it was all going to murderous drug cartels, where now, as the legal industry really begins to uh, evolve and, and, and come up, you have billions of dollars going into the American economy um, on the legal side, you know, creating jobs. So there's a huge economic impact, and this impact is taking place in communities that were blighted by uh, the prohibition of cannabis, and it's also taking place in rural communities, and I'm starting to observe that uh, here in Missouri, where I'm located, in Kansas City, um, and I'm sure you're probably seeing the same thing there, Todd. Oh, definitely, sir. Um, the, the other aspect that now that I've been in the industry for a while that I'm recognizing is that there's so much technology involved in the cultivation, manufacturing, dispensing, transportation, you know, managing this plant um, and, and, and filling the industry. There's so much technology that there is a, a potential to really impact sustainability, especially in the cultivation of plants to include food, right? We, we spend so much effort now to to reduce our um, electricity consumption, our water consumption, our, our nutrient inputs in the cultivation of cannabis that um, we, we've created great efficiencies. And I think that those efficiencies will naturally transition over to be applied to the way we grow food, right? And could perhaps change the way we feed our planet by, by growing food closer to where it's consumed. Um, you know, so that, I think that part's really exciting, and it's something, it's kind of a, um, you know, it should be something that we challenge ourselves as a cannabis industry to do, is to really be exemplary in, in all things that we do, but specifically in, in how we, uh, we cultivate this plant and, and try to make that as efficient as possible, you know, and share that with the world. Uh, but the, for, for veterans, I think the biggest piece um, that is most exciting is the health and wellness aspects of cannabis. You know, I really think that there's an opportunity here to increase the survivability of soldiers in combat and, and make them, you know, closer to the super soldier that we're looking for. Um, you know, especially, especially in terms of mitigating and treating traumatic brain injury, which is a very, very common and significant injury uh, among the military, you know, especially in combat. Right, um, and then I think there's also an opportunity here to uh, improve the way veterans live after they've served, and their families and how they live. Because you know there are, I mean, my family relies on Tricare for and and the VA since I'm a retiree uh, for medical care, and you know I would like for for myself to have access to medical cannabis. I do now since I'm in Missouri. And but at some point, you know, I think that the the VA and the DOD in general should be deeply involved in um, in providing that, right? Especially on the research side up front, and 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 that's a big part of what we're trying to do. All, all that stuff. I mean, especially when we've talked before um, your story with uh, your process in Afghanistan. I mean, that is, I mean, that's that's crazy to think that. Uh, you know, we potentially could uh, influence them. When we were in Afghanistan, we were talking with OG&E, and 
Uh, they were having trouble with, you know, of course, electricity. And so we were asking uh, for some of their guidance and help there. And so, um, I mean, so do you think that that could open it up an opportunity where instead of instead of sending um, just health aid and sending troops that were sending, you know, uh, research and, and help in other aspects, agriculture, you know, economy. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think the world has kind of lost the ability to grow this plant. So just, you know, when developing uh, the skills and capacity to once again grow hemp to to a, a very high level uh, does a couple of things. One, one, it's a huge carbon sink and can sequester carbon so it will have an environmental impact. But, but two, um, it, it's, like I said, such a diverse plant that it can provide you know so many materials if you've ever read the, the emperor wears no clothes with, mm. uh, by uh, jack Herrer, you know i mean there's 25,000 different uses for this plant and and i mean food fuel fiber medicine and building material um i think there's just a huge opportunity there's a huge world for us to explore here with this plant oh yes sir that we're, we're just uh we keep telling people uh, Drake visits a, uh, for sure visits a lot of farms and uh, um, he also helps at a production facility but um, I mean the things we're seeing are just the beginning and I mean like to think what you know, our kids are very similar in age what they're <laughs> what cannabis is going to be like when they're our uh, age I mean is um, it's crazy to think if we can get um uh, you know, if we can get access to the research we need, uh, would even be <laughs> be amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we are, we are certainly building the the industry that our children will inherit, and you know, the cannabis future. We're really shaping that now, and and so I always have my kids in mind in terms of um, what what activities I'm involved in and what we're doing and and how we're trying to shape policy because I want them to have a future where they do have access to medical cannabis. And I also want them to have um, the, the training and know-how and understanding of, of how to enter the cannabis industry, right? This is the nation's fastest growing industry and, and this is happening around the world. So um, I, I think there's an opportunity for education. There, there's an opportunity for, for employment for veterans. That's a really important oh, no aspect doubt. Uh, of this industry that we, we must discuss. And that I think the Department of Defense needs to recognize uh, as well, because you know we're having veterans that are getting out of the military today, and there's they can't uh, access uh, advanced cannabis education. Uh, they can't pay for it with their GI Bill in, in many instances, um, and and they're also not able to do things like uh, higher the higher vets program where they coordinate for three-month uh, internships while you're still on active duty. Of course, the DOD is not going to allow uh, a soldier on active duty to be working in a, uh, on a cannabis farm at the moment, but why wouldn't they be able to work on a hemp farm or in a, in a hemp processing facility, for example, where they're dealing with a totally federally legal plant? No, oh, no doubt. I mean, uh, we, we talked to a lot of veterans. We have uh, veterans program as well and that's one of the most common things uh, you know vets asking for jobs and at the very least with a lot of the things that vets come home dealing with um, taking care of a room full of plants has been a very good therapy for uh, for some local veterans around here oh 
Yeah, and, and I'm sure that, you know, you, there's a certain camaraderie that builds around that as well um, and kind of lends to that, that feeling of tribe that, that we often, that we should be seeking when we leave the military. I don't know if you've ever read that book by Sebastian Junger called Tribe, um, but it's a really uh, interesting look at uh, the transition from the military into civilian life. That's one thing I see in the in the cannabis industry, especially, you know, and there's like this kind of sub-tribe of veterans within the cannabis industry, and of course that's what brought us together. Yes, definitely. No, uh, and that's the camaraderie I enjoy. I enjoyed that when I was, was coaching, um, uh, that, you know, just that brotherhood just that fellowship that common bond common goal uh for for something other than just ourselves um it's hard to find that in today's society so um well what what are some of the things that you guys are uh currently working on so harvest 360 is first and foremost you know a, a wholly owned subsidiary of a publicly traded company called blue diamond ventures which trades on the pink sheets at uh, bldv um, and so we merged with Blue Diamond Ventures, and then uh, Harvest 360 took over that board and, and and essentially morphed together all in one big happy family. Um, and then we created another company under Blue Diamond Ventures, which is that this, this holding company. Uh, we created another company called H360 Labs. Uh, Harvest 360 is a full-service consulting and management company that focuses solely on the cannabis industry. Um, we, we write winning applications for clients, right? So we help people become licensed operators in, you know, in legal states. And, uh, you know, we work, walk them through the entire process and, and coach them and mentor them and help them do the work and, and submit applications because it's a very long and onerous process. Um, that requires significant attention to detail and a real plan and a deep understanding of the industry in general. Um, and, you know, that we try to keep our finger on the pulse of that, uh, focusing on, you know, social equity, social justice, sustainability, community engagement, um, economic impact that we will have. And, and, and there's always a huge theme of uh, veterans and veteran support and, and the work that we do at Harvest 360. Um, we created H360 Lab. Sorry, did you have a question? No, no, sir. No, you're good. Okay, no, okay. Um, we created H360 Labs after uh, Harvest 360 was asked to write a laboratory application in the state of Missouri uh, for some good friends of ours. They were called Green Orchard Labs. And uh, they submitted their own application and didn't quite get it over the finish line, so they asked us to help them. We rewrote it, submitted it, we won the application, or won the license, and uh, are now implementing that in a, in a town of 10,000 in Missouri called Chillicothe, um, which is just this really cool little town. It's the home of sliced bread. <laughs> it's where the first time, yeah, it's, and it's the, it's the cutest place in the world, man. Oh, heck yeah. Um, it's, it's, on, it's on the way of the American genius. Um, Dang. Which is Highway 36. It runs uh, west to east in in Missouri, just north of I-70, right? And it's called the Way of the American Genius because on the west end, uh, the Pony Express was created, 
which really allowed the United States to expand and you know modernize. Uh, you have the birthplace of Walt Disney. You have the birthplace of uh, General John Blackjack Pershing. You know, uh, another West Point graduate. General Omar Bradley was born on on that uh, highway, uh, as was Mark Twain. So it's a it's a and it's also the home of sliced bread. <laughs> so they call it the way of the American genius. Uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, but it's pretty cool. Um, so when we won the application, then the folks that we wrote it for said, "Oh my God, how do we do this?" <laughs> you know, so. We basically licensed them IP and technology know-how and a brand um, to to run a, a cannabis testing laboratory, so kind of a turnkey operation. Um, we've done that. We we have a we have a global partnership with an American uh, testing company called Waters. The Waters Corporation is an 85-year-old uh, you know Massachusetts-based company um, that really bet big on on Harvest 360 Labs. Uh, when we created a global partnership because what we wanted to do was license this IP and technology state by state and, and really help uh, create the basis for medical cannabis research by providing specificity to the cannabis plant. The first place that we're doing that is in the state of Missouri. Uh, and we're in conversations with uh, numerous other parties in different states like Arizona, which as you know, just went adult use, uh, in Michigan, in New York, in New Jersey, and, and hopefully uh, in Oklahoma at some point. So if you know anyone looking to uh, open up a cannabis testing lab and provide services there, please contact me. Oh, freak. I wish, sir. Gosh, that's like that. I mean, if I, um, I mean, if that was, yeah, if, if that was anyone's goal around here, I would love to, I would love that opportunity, but it doesn't seem to be, um, yeah, there's, there were a couple of, uh, testing facilities that had talked about it early on, but, uh, one of them was one of the facilities that were shut down. So, <laughs> uh, but no, I've, yeah. I've started some, uh, education courses at the Votec, uh, here in town last, uh, last spring. And so, uh, we've gone about that route as far as more just more education than um, than research. So hopefully we'll get to that point. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think it's 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 all there for the taking, and you know, I, I'm I continue to tell people that I'm trying to set the conditions for medical cannabis research in a, in a manner that would be attractive to the Department of Defense, right? Um, it's exciting for me that now there's, you know, we not only have the first um, African-American Secretary of Defense in retired General Lloyd Austin, he's also West Point graduate and, you know, so hopefully a, a critical thinker and, and a guy who would, uh, you know, with whom the Athena Protocol might resonate. Yeah. Um, and, and, and really critical thinkers who might be able to really think creatively to address some seriously complex uh, issues that we have today, especially for, for military personnel um, as, as veterans, uh, but also on active duty. No. You know, I, I go as far as, 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 you know, we must consider what, how we're going to implement uh, cannabis consumption, you know, like once, once this is legal on a federal level, um, and it's, it, it's, I don't think we have the luxury anymore of, of kidding anyone that it's not going to be federally legal in the, in the near term. I think that it will. 
and um, when you start planning for it and thinking about how it will be implemented, it's not you know the moment it happens. You need to start thinking about it beforehand so that we can use it to be you know a force multiplier for us and 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 improve our society and and for the DoD improve the situation with health and wellness and and other things to include alcohol consumption. Right. Oh. The biggest problems that we have in the military is uh, really really you know, uh, disastrous relationships with alcohol. Um, because, you know, you don't have to pee in a cup, for, <laughs> uh, you know, for, to, to prove that you haven't drank alcohol. Ah, it's so, just sold at every PX, no big deal. Yeah, I mean, every class six, uh, you, have, you have alcohol, we celebrate everything from our promotions to to uh, changes of command with, with alcohol. And... Um, you know, I think we have a problematic relationship with it. So the, the one thing that I've heard from every single veteran who has transitioned over to cannabis is that they have reduced their alcohol consumption significantly. And I, and I, uh, I, I share that uh, situation. You know, I mean, uh, for me, I was, I was a professional drinker, meaning that the U.S. government was paying for alcohol <laughs> um, for, for me to host parties as, as, a, as an attaché. And uh, that's not a good place to be when people are giving you booze for free. No doubt. If you've got an issue with it. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of my biggest problems when I came home from Afghanistan. Was just uh, you know really living in a bottle, and uh, it was so convenient. And when it felt like uh, cannabis was illegal, and you you know you knew you'd go to jail, and had a good job and kids and a future, you didn't want to take that route. But you could mm-hmm. you could live in that bottle, so. It's not. It's definitely nice not living there anymore. That's right. Yeah, I mean, as long as you make it, make it out for PT, <laughs> run it off, and get your uniform on by the first formation. After that, you know, you you can be successful. But I think it has a really negative effect both on both physically and in terms of like how we perform our job, um, and and it certainly has a negative effect on the family, right? Which is something that I think it is important to to discuss a little bit as well. Uh, because it's not only veterans and military personnel who need access to, to cannabis. Um, can you imagine being a, uh, a parent of a child with special needs or, or with intractable epilepsy and you're living on base at Fort Carson, for example? Yeah. Right? A federal installation. But you know that right outside that gate there is medicine that you could give to your child that you know could stop these epileptic seizures. And, and how frustrating that is. And so I'm certain that there are um, military personnel today that are making that consideration of whether or not they give a medicine that um, is illegal but works to their child or they get out of the military. So yeah. people are facing that decision all the time now, and, it's, and I think it's unfortunate. And it's not fair, especially when you have, you know, over 60% of, of Americans have access to medical cannabis today. But I just think it's a huge opportunity for um, for the DoD to show some, you know, really bold and courageous leadership on this particular subject because veterans want this, um, and and we know that it's safe, and, and veterans are involved in this, and we can kind of help uh, guide the path, you know, be a be a, a shining light for this, right, and identify it, um, and maybe come up with a, a plan. To execute on this, I think we have one. 
Yeah, I think that veterans, uh, that's why I've always been very loud about cannabis is because I think that we have a, a strong voice for one, but um, the the way it's truly affected us and changed our lives uh, is, is hard to deny. I mean, from everything from weight loss to uh, my mood uh, to my motivation uh, has changed because of cannabis. And so uh, it's just... Uh, I wish I could have found this. Uh, I wish I w- would have looked in this more when I was in Afghanistan. Uh, I mean, that's how, yeah. how much it's changed my life. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just an absolute game changer for me. And I've never been more productive in my entire life. You know, I mean, I use cannabis every day. Um, but, and, and, and I think it's incredibly enriching in my life. Um, you know, I, I, it's made me a better father, a better husband, a better person. I'm a better leader. Uh, it's like, uh, honestly, it is an absolute game changer for me, and and I'm not alone. Um, every everyone that I speak to who kind of transitions over this just recognizes like, what were we, what were we afraid of? No doubt. You know? Yeah, that's uh, the, those are the same words I express all the time, sir. I I, uh, I feel like a better father. I can communicate with my kids better. Um, and just, I, I, I'm not a lazy person at the very least. I'm not a depressed person. Um, it completely gets me out of that. And so at the very least, why can't, you know, why shouldn't we look at it a little different? Yeah, man. I mean, and you know, it's not like we're walking around like zombies uh, all day or something. I mean, everyone always asks me, like, are you high all the time? Like, <laughs> no, I'm not high all the time, but I certainly have cannabis flowing through my system all the time. Um, and, and, and I find it to be, you know, a, a major force multiplier for me, you know? I mean, it's almost like a performance enhancement drug, <laughs> this thing. You know, we've been so worried about it killing our brain cells, but in fact, I think it create, creates uh, new pathways and could lead to alternate ways of thinking and unreally expand consciousness. No. It's something that I think we should be pursuing. You know, that includes psychedelics, uh, especially psilocybin. Um, that includes ketamine. Uh, because I think we've got some we've got some broken toys out there, you know. We've got our brothers and sisters, uh, some of whom are uh, suffering significantly from depression and anxiety, and, and clearly um, have suicidal ideation, and, and far too often completion. Oh. Uh, we're really good at killing ourselves at this point, and I think we should get really good at healing ourselves instead. And, and that takes a community. That takes uh, kind of visionary thinking. And, and a plan and a place in which to do it and I, I personally think that we could do it in the, you know if the VA or the DOD wanted to do a pilot project we could do it in any one of these states you know no. I, mean, uh, I, that, I, I want to do it in Missouri you know I'd love to do it just in the Midwest in general tell us so, when yeah <laughs> yeah uh, I mean and a big you know what I'm trying to do is also lay the groundwork there uh, with academia because you know, I think that DOD is, is first and foremost the ideal organization to to lead in medical cannabis research. First and foremost, we got skin in the game. You know, no. I mean, we've got our brothers and sisters who, who are suffering. Many of us are suffering, and we see this huge opportunity in, in, in front of us. And we're hearing from veterans across the country how helpful this this plant is and how enriching it is to their lives um myself yourself included um we have 
150 VA hospitals across the country. We have 1,200 VA clinics, especially those that serve like in rural communities, which is a, a, diff, a, a difficult thing for the VA to treat um, or to reach. Um, and all those VA hospitals, they all have relationships with uh, local universities, right? So there's kind of a built-in research and development platform. And then we have our patient population, right? This like less than 1% of the country um, who, who's ever served in the military that, that uh that is so heavily respected uh, is the largest patient population in the country with 9 million patients who, who get their health and healthcare from the VA, right? And those patients are largely um, very positive about medical cannabis, somewhere in the range of 90 to 95% of veterans um, say that they would like access to medical cannabis as an option to treat the wounds of war or just the wounds of getting old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it kind of hurts getting old sometimes, and, and I find cannabis helps. Um, you know, so so we've got everything there. We just what, what what's really required though is leadership and an idea and a plan, and that's what I hope to to get out of um, you know out of our efforts. And I think the conditions are right. Uh, you know, I mean, with the changing of a new administration. Um, they're looking for creative, uh, hopefully, they're looking for creative opportunities to address this. And, and I think we address it with leadership and a plan and a vision. Um, and, you know, you come to your boss with the solution to the problem, not not just define for them what the problem is. And I think we, we have uh, potentials for a solution. Talking about advocating and, uh, you know, just speaking, I, I enjoy that. We have, uh, we have an idea, we have a, a plan in place, and um, I mean, when we come out and, you know, we say that and stand on the platform as veterans, I think that they, they listen a little bit more than, uh, you know, just, uh, just regular people talking, um, you know, it's hard to turn down that voice. And then now that a lot of these, uh, you know, other organizations like, uh, the uh, NBA just announced that they're stopping testing MLB did last year. I think that kind of start forces uh, forcing the government's hand. I totally agree, and I'm glad you mentioned those organizations. Right, I think they're they're incredibly important. They represent kind of this, um, you know, gladiator community uh, that we have. Right, those are the folks that we that we you know pay money to go watch them knock heads <laughs> and, and perform, and, and 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 but we were also testing them for using cannabis. Um, which was kind of counterproductive, instead driving them towards opioids. And we know that the, there's a significant amount of opioid addiction uh, in, in professional athletes. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you have this warrior side, the, the, the military side, um, that also has the same <clears throat> requirements, uh, you know, pushed upon us, where we have to pee in a cup to tell whether or not we're good enough to lead soldiers or carry a rifle or, <laughs> or fight for our country. And I think it's just absolutely inhumane. Um, the good thing is that professional sports are really starting to see the future and to recognize that cannabis, um, one, is widely accepted in the United States. Well over 60% of people think that it should be fully legal. Um, and they're seeing that it's, not, it's no longer really a taboo subject. It's really more a question of, of a human right, really 
when people are seeing how safely and effectively we're using cannabis to, to treat so many things. That's a good point. Um, have, have you, with some of your, uh, uh, research with, uh, the Athena protocol, do you, uh, have you reached out to like Calvin Johnson or anybody that are, that's big in the CTE, um, and NFL? Not really. Um, you know, I've really been trying to maintain this a very, uh, military focused effort. I got you. Um, no, yeah. I just know. did. I just wondered, brother. But that's what, and it's, no, it's not like I'm, I'm uh, against bringing in any professional athletes to the whole thing because that whole concept of gladiators and warriors, you know, those two classes, I believe that at some point there will be, I mean, there already is significant synergy between those two groups, right? You always see, you know, yeah. major military representation at NFL, NFL games or whatever. Um, and you also see, um, you know, soldiers and military personnel really looking up to and, and following professional sports. Um, so there's a huge amount of synergy, I think, between those two groups. And, you know, I've always said it's the veteran voice that will break the back of prohibition, but I think those two voices combined will, will ensure that it's over. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what are some of um, you know, some of your goals for the next year with uh, with Harvest Three Hundred and Sixty? Huh. Let's see. Well, one is to is to complete the implementation of this laboratory in Chillicothe, um, and and get that up and running and, and really established well. Also, to look at the new markets uh, that are coming into place. Um, you know, Arizona for us is a big focal point. Um, you know, watching Missouri continue to build out for us is very exciting. Illinois, Michigan, uh, New York, and New Jersey are also very unique. And uh, you know, we're also starting to pay a lot of attention to Virginia and and the south of the southeast part of the United States, where it really is the last frontier of of legal cannabis. You know, but. And I would say, you know, on the and and on the policy side, on the policy side, what I would hope to achieve um, in 2021 is, you know, the establishment of a serious conversation uh, without any giggles or pot puns or anything like that, but a serious conversation with the Department of Defense on uh, the subject of medical cannabis, and 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 really recognizing that the DOD could play a leadership role in, um, in in the research of this plan and really kind of help forward what I think would be a revolution in medical affairs, right? Uh, a, a totally new way of looking at medicine um, and, and, and a totally new way of, of looking at medicine as prophylaxis um, in terms of, especially in terms of uh, ensuring neuroplasticity and neuroprotection in soldiers uh, while in training and in combat uh, through the use of non-impairing cannabinoids uh, and also the ability to uh, use the full spectrum of the cannabis plant in in recovery yeah um, you know and re- rehabilitation especially as it pertains to traumatic brain injury uh, those things are those things are, 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 are critical um, to, to putting this on the map and so, I would hope that we were having a, a really serious conversation with the Department of Defense where we're working towards a, um, a framework um, for research and development and, and utilizing the full spectrum 
of uh, DOD research platforms with with other agencies like the FDA in support, but not in the lead. Um, and, I, and I think that that would be a huge success. Uh, you know, another thing that we're doing at Harvest 360 is really starting to look towards other countries as well. Um, you know, I created this company uh, with a specific objective of utilizing the skills and uh, the competencies that, that, that and the languages that I learned in the military um, to try to build a bridge between the United States and Europe um, with medical cannabis, essentially, you know, to license IP, technology, know-how, and, and brands into the European market as their markets begin to evolve. You know, so that's kind of on the, on the industry side, a little bit of our, some of our goals. Yeah, man. Gosh, sir. That's uh, <laughs> the, the things you guys are doing. That's, I mean, uh, I said it earlier, but I just, uh, I mean, it's so refreshing to, to hear all, all of that, you know, those moving parts of cannabis just, and all these fingers everywhere. I mean, it really, um, it's just inspiring for, for people like me, but. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it was crazy. You know, I told we talked about this, this whole re-legalization of cannabis and have being an inflection point. Well, it turns out, you know, this inflection point was taking place in, in, or I'm sorry, this, this paradigm shift was taking place in the middle of kind of like an inflection point in history. You know, this is 2020. It was unforgettable. Everyone, you know, mm. this is like 9-11 now. Like, where were you in 2020? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, they're going to be asking, you know, this, what were you doing? Well, what happened for us in the cannabis industry in 2020 is that, you know, we went from illegal to essential when COVID hit, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, and, and that was a big deal when states like uh, California, Colorado, Michigan, Illinois, big major states, New York, um, when COVID hit, everyone wanted to shut everything down. And when the cannabis industry was labeled an essential industry because people were losing their mind, um, not having access to their medicine, uh, it, was, it was a major signal. Right. Another major signal that, that happened this year was on the, on the global level was that the World Health Organization removed cannabis from the list of dangerous drugs, right. uh, which opens up a huge amount of research on an international scale. Um, you know, and the United States voted for that, too. They supported that. Um, we continue to see massive momentum in the United States. Uh, this, you know, in 2020, we hit five for five, right? We had we had three new states, four new states, rather, legalized for adult use. Right, yeah. Uh, and we had one of those states, South Dakota, which was our, our twofer, right, the first time ever where a state legalized adult <laughs> use and medical cannabis in the same election. Uh, and then you have Mississippi legalized for, for medical cannabis. That's very unexpected. Um, so, you know, it, it was a big year for cannabis. And, and so what that does is it creates a huge opportunity Right, because we are in, a, in an inflection point in human history, with a you know a deadly disease uh, taking over the planet. Essentially, there's still a massive health crisis raging in the United States that includes opioid addiction and overdose, suicides, uh, anxiety and depression, and all of those things are increased even more so in the veteran community. Right, so it's a real um, health. You know, we're in a massive health crisis at the moment. Not to mention there are, you know, uh, tensions in the street. There are racial tensions and, and 
domestic tensions in general that, that we've seen play out. Uh, there are international tensions between China and the United States, and Russia and the United States, and the rest of the world. Um, so what that tells me is there's chaos, and I think within chaos lies opportunity if you can apply leadership to it. Right. I think we can take this opportunity to address major societal issues with the relegalization of cannabis and hemp. Um, you know, and again, that is social justice, economic impact, and, and, and the creation of wealth within our country. Um, sustainability advances that can be made with this industry if done, if done right and encouraged. Uh, and then, of course, the, the advances that we can make in health and wellness um, are, are unlimited. Absolutely, you know, uh, our, our imaginations are only limited. And now we have the ability to apply the most advanced technology to the world's most complex plants and, and hopefully address some significant uh, healthcare issues that we're dealing with. Yeah, yes, sir. Oh, that's exactly exactly what it should all be about. Um, since we got just about uh, five or so minutes, um, can you explain uh, the Athena protocol and um, sure. kind of where you are with with it right now? Sure, absolutely. Well, really, it's it's a concept. It's a strategy. This is uh, our strategy to mitigate and treat traumatic brain injury using non-impairing cannabinoids. Um, it's and and they called it the Athena protocol because uh, Athena, she is the Greek goddess of military victory, of good counsel, and of knowledge. And I know that because her helmet is, is on our crest at West Point, and so I kind of wanted to hearken back to, to the academy. Um, because uh, when I was in com- command, I had a great officer working for me. He was a 2001 graduate. His name was Andy Houghton. Um, and after I left command and the unit deployed to, to Iraq in 2004, he was struck in the head with a rocket-propelled grenade that uh, did not explode but gave him a massive traumatic brain injury. Um, and, you know, our, our, our battlefield medics were just so advanced at that point that they were able to stabilize him on the ground there, uh, sent him to Launchstuhl, and then on to Walter Reed Army Medical Center. And that's where I, I reconnected with him and his family. And uh, at this point, they had, uh, uh, you know, we, he, was, he was in really bad condition. But uh, we pinned a purple heart on him, and then the next day he passed away. And it was really devastating for me. Um, but when I started researching cannabis, uh, and, I, and I saw that the U.S. government had a patent on cannabinoids to serve as a, a neuroprotectant, an anti-inflammatory, and an antioxidant, um, I knew that that was something that could potentially reduce reduce the risk of traumatic brain injury, right? Because, you know, by, by seeing Andy and by talking to his doctors uh, at Walter Reed, I understood that, you know, what happens with a TBI is that your brain begins to swell and kick out all kinds of proteins and cytokines and glutamate and, and nasty things that kind of eat away at the gray matter. Um, and, you know, it, it, in the end, they coalesce around the, the, the neurons and the dendrons, and, and, and we get stuck in on, we get post-traumatic stress from that if we don't die from the TBI. So I thought, well, why don't we get in front of it and uh, provide some neuroprotection and increase neuroplasticity in the brain, um, and then I'd also like to be able to administer it immediately after an injury, right, right of the boom, as quickly as possible as part of Buddy Aid, um, and then, and then in a third phase we would uh, we would administer more 
non-impairing cannabinoids under the care of a doctor. And then in the fourth phase of the Athena protocol, we would use the full spectrum of cannabis for, uh, for rehabilitation, you know, uh, to include talk therapy and physical therapy, but always uh, supported through, through access to medical cannabis as well. Wow. So, so that's, what we cre- that's why we created that, um, is I, I really do think that we have the ability to, to mitigate uh, the severity of traumatic brain injury. I think we have the ability to uh, start the, the, the anti-inflammatory process quickly after an injury and hopefully save some soldiers' lives and, and hopefully prevent some post-traumatic stress as well because we know that those with, with uh, TBI who have PTSD are more likely to complete suicide. So if we can get in front of that as well, um, I think it'd be a good day and a major advance, you know. The military has been responsible for advances in, in medicine throughout history, you know, from our first uh, smallpox vaccinations that General Washington did during the Revolutionary War. Uh, advanced, we have advanced uh, amputation technology and, and uh, plastic surgery. It's all based on military necessity and research that we've done. I think that, you know, applying the, the DOD's research lens to cannabis could lead to the United States being the global leader in medical cannabis research. Uh, going and talking at uh, not only the Capitol, but go, uh, the state Capitol, but going to D.C. and visiting with uh, with legislators there, it's always I could uh, I could feel some of your tension earlier when you're talking about having serious conversations because that's it's just it. It's a lot of times it's just kind of some snickers and um, you know just some. Uh, misguided comments that they don't understand about cannabis and um we it's it's hard i mean we've had some veterans in those meetings in dc get i mean you know truly pissed off because they won't they won't take anything we're saying serious you know we're bringing in facts and and you know you know reports and just signatures from other veterans saying that they use cannabis to treat whatever and Mm -hmm. you know it's just uh it's just, so it's disappointing. It, it takes courage. It takes leadership. It takes politicians, too, to recognize that cannabis is way more popular than they are. Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's, there's any, any politician in the country would, would uh, you know, sell their soul to the devil to have the approval rating that cannabis has and, and, and the amount that uh, they pass by in most of these states now, which is well over 65%. You know, they would love that. So no. I think it's just recognizing that the future does include legal cannabis and and being able to wrap our heads around um, how to implement it in a way that is beneficial for the country and for the world is, is the best that we can do. And it, like I said, it takes leadership, it takes courage, it takes vision, and, and a deep understanding of this industry. Yes, sir. Uh, so, uh, just real quick before you go, just uh, just a couple of questions that uh, we always like to ask our, our guests. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, first off, um, uh, we know you, uh, since you do consume, what's uh, what's your favorite strain, sir? Oh, you know, my favorite strain right now is called Alaskan, which is totally unavailable anywhere, and it's not the Alaskan TF. I got gotcha. you. It's just called Alaskan, and it's grown by my business partner. Actually, it's grown by his uh, 64-year-old wife, who's a two-time cancer survivor, 
uh, oh, wow. had to move to Michigan so that she could uh, cultivate her own cannabis. And, mm. and it is just magic, man. Um, I, I usually like I usually like flower that someone has grown and gives to me. I feel like it speaks to me a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I just love cannabis. I absolutely do. Nice, good. Okay, and uh, your favorite song? Oh, <laughs> I have to say "Brown Eyed Girl." Maybe you know because that's my wife. That's my wife and I. That was the first song we ever danced to. And so it's getting worse song. Oh, good deal. I like that. Very sentimental. Yes, sir. Hey, where did we go? Days when the rains came. Down in the hollow. Playing a new game. Laughing and running. Hey, hey. Skipping and jumping. In the misty morning fog with... Our hearts are thumping in you, my bright-eyed girl. You, my My favorite pumped-up army song, and that I would always uh, start operations with, was Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. Good. That'll definitely get the the blood pumping. Um, before we wrap up, sir, um, you know times are are tough, and you, uh, uh, I can tell you are definitely an inspirational per, uh, person. But with with everything going on right now, what what kind of drives you? What what keeps you going? And I feel the weight of you know every veteran that keeps me going like the, I feel I feel a responsibility to kind of to carry their voice for them uh, I feel the, the, the weight of let's say that's it you know like the weight of the, the military community um, you know I've certainly put my reputation out there uh, on this this claim that medical cannabis could be a major game changer for military personnel um, I lost friends. I think I've lost the respect of some leaders that I served with that, that, mm. I, that I care for deeply and respect deeply. Um, but I'm going to keep charging ahead because, you know, what, what really drives me is like classmates of mine will call me and, and tell me how, how cannabis has changed their life and, and they're really proud of what I'm doing. Um, just soldiers that, that uh, served under me will call me. And, and say something like, uh, you know, they're very proud of what I'm doing and very supportive of what I'm doing. That's the type of stuff that keeps driving me. Uh, because I do think, you know, this, this, this country's amazing. I think the prohibition of cannabis was an awful policy. Um, but I think, and I think we have the, the, the ability to rule it back. Um, if anyone can do it, it's the United States. And if anyone within the United States can do it, I think it's the Department of Defense. Um, and, and I know how to speak that language. Um, you know, it's, it's, I guess this vision and, and, and the mission that, uh, that I've created with the company 
that I try to execute with through my nonprofit and activist activities as well. So there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> driving me, I think. It's a pretty, a pretty unique uh, time and place for, for me to be involved. I'm, I'm really excited to serve in a position like this. Yes, sir. Well. And carry that voice a little bit. There are a lot of great veteran activists out there for sure. Um, whose example I follow, and uh, but you know I, I do I do feel like that drives me because I do think I'm a businessman and an activist, um, and I think that I, they're they're both kind of in in equal parts. But more than anything, I'm a veteran. Yeah, I think that speaks very uh, volumes. Well, well, brother, I uh, I don't want to keep you. I know that uh, your your time is valuable. Obviously, you're a busy man, but. Um, uh, again, thank you for for everything you're doing, not only in the the veteran community, but um, in the cannabis community as well. And um, if there's there's ever anything we can do, um, and don't hesitate to holler at us. And and I hope we get to sit down sometime and and have a personal uh, chat. Absolutely, thanks a lot, Todd. I, I look forward to it, and I appreciate what you do, and and uh, you know, kind of elevating the voice out there for the for this cause. Thank oh. you very much. Yes, sir, brother. Drake, how excited are you after talking to Mr. Scatini? I I really don't even have words to describe some of the some of his interests that we're interested in, uh, that line up in the same sites, if that even makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's um the amount of people who are involved in in uh local cannabis research is is slim so um when he means slim he means like five people (laughs) yeah that's statewide uh but you know the things that he's doing uh not just in missouri but nationwide and then across the globe and still going i mean he's still reaching for you know as on our podcast you'll hear he's still looking for people yeah or places I mean, just uh, the the process that look, you know, he wants to bring to the DOD with the Athena protocol and changing how we treat combat wounds potentially. Yeah, I mean, it, preparing them to go to the field, you know, uh, kind of give them the edge they need, like you were saying, creating the super soldier that we're looking for. Uh, I mean, being a vet, carrying all the... I mean, I carried a medic bag. It was just a the combat lifesaver bag, you know, just a basic first aid kit, essentially, or a little little more than had an IV in it. But anyway, you know, being able to carry CBG, CBD, um, or, or any kind of er- other herb, uh, potentially, I mean, instead of having ibuprofen and other man-made drugs at at hand, and knowing the potential that CB, CBD has. Um, on, on neuroplasticity is, I mean, it just kind of makes sense to look at that route. Yeah, and the the non <clears throat> the non psychoactive part about it, you know, because that that's the coolest thing is would, would be for our our soldiers to in induce or um, ingest cannabis in the field that's not psychoactive. You know, people get so hyped up on THC and Delta Nine and forget that not all cannabis is psychoactive. Uh, you know. No, you're exactly right. I mean, the fact that it has a lot of medicinal properties uh, without being psychoactive are uh, pretty impressive. There are people that have talked about, you know, getting high from taking too many Tylenol. Yeah. Uh, having 
you know, a comfortable feeling on a lot of pharmaceuticals. How many people you know that takes a couple too many swigs and NyQuil? <laughs> Very true. So, um, you know, just the things that Todd's doing at, at Harvest 360 and, and um, Man, the his nonprofit. About. Yeah, yes, sir. I just, um, I mean, I, it's, uh, I, I mean, when I called him a hero, honestly, I, I, I mean that because he's an officer for one. So for a lot of people in the military to step up, especially when they were still in the military and throw out an idea of using hemp as, uh, you know, uh, a cash crop for a country in need in dire need to I help mean, us help them. I mean, that, that says a lot about yeah. an officer <laughs> in the military. Um, a lot of times they're either completely laughed out or they're, uh, um, you know, just uh, kind of kicked out, you know? I mean, so he, uh, he really took a stance on, on his thoughts and, uh, you know, it's a, it's cannabis has grown <laughs> in uh-huh. Afghanistan. It's already there. So uh, uh, teaching them things, them teaching us uh, about the plant that they've been growing yeah. longer than we've been growing in America. Where'd Afghani come from? Ah, uh, no <laughs> doubt. So, um, so, but reaching out to Todd and talking to people like him are uh, what uh, what we need, you know. Yeah. So, one hundred percent, you know. Uh, Kind of like we always say, the camaraderie, you know, keeping like-minded people, you know, together. Exactly. And then people hearing those voices, those veteran, uh, in the veteran community and outside uh, of what we're doing, uh, why we're passionate about cannabis. Uh, not only does it help us, but you know, we want to get it out there to others and allow others to use it the way we have and in other capacities. I still see the the, the good points of it and that that people are still finding out daily the new benefits from it oh yeah i mean he he barely touched on all the uh the textile uses of cannabis uh, i mean imagine the possibilities of that instead of you know all of the waste that that we're using now dude out of five products in our household that we just randomly grab you know i bet hemp could replace at least two you know just going off of a whim you know yeah. So that, that speaks volumes, in my opinion. Yeah, not only that, but even how your home's insulated, how your home's built, I, possibly. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, I'd be interested in using it to, to build a shed or something at the I very least. Hemp tires. <laughs> hemp tires, okay. <laughs> I'm not going that far. <laughs> I mean, but we never know. We never know. Um, but uh, anything else, man, you want to, before we man, wrap up with this one? This was. Uh, just kind of talking on Todd again. This was kind of my first conversation with him, and man, is like you said, he's truly a cannabis hero in my book. You know, he's he's not stagnant on what he's doing. He's still pressing forward, fighting a good fight. Oh, you're exactly right. Um, yeah, those are the people that we want to seek out and uh, hear what they have to say, what they're doing. One hundred percent. Well, brother, uh, I don't have anything else. You got anything? Be good. Tomorrow's not promised. That's right. So, uh, as always, Todd and Drake, have a good week.